Hey everybody. How y'all doing? You sound good. Who's in the Christmas spirit? Anybody feeling a little Christmassy, a little good? Man, I love this time of year. It is, it is genuinely my favorite. Hey, well, listen, if it's your first time here today, thank you so much for coming and checking us out and being here with us. Uh, my wife, Patty, and I get to pastor this amazing church, and uh, we are honored that we get to do that and be together. So, hey, while you guys look so happy, because in a minute you're going to fall asleep or be sad or whatever, but right now in this moment, there's a lot of people watching online. Will you put your hands together and help me welcome the rest of our family, YouTube, Facebook, church online platform. Hey, we love you guys. We love you, love you, love you. Thanks for being with us. Okay, so, man, with it being Christmas time, there's a lot of fun stuff coming up. So next Sunday, next Sunday is classic Christmas. So it is your time to dress up, to put on your Sunday best or your Wednesday best or your Friday best. I don't know, whatever your best is, um, we are all going to dress up. If you don't have the dress up and you're like, that's oh, stupid, I don't want to do it. That's fine. It's still South Point. Just cover your privates and come on. That's all cool. It's all totally acceptable, but I'm just letting you know that there will be probably some suits up in the house next Sunday and some dresses and all that good stuff. We're going to do a candle lighting service. We're just going to have a great family Christmas service. So uh, make sure you come, bring somebody with you. It's, it's, going to be, it's going to be special. And then the Sunday after that is December 26th, so 6th. So it's the Sunday after Christmas, and we're not doing a service in-house. It will only be online. It is not a like an oldie, you know, I mean, it is a, a fresh service that we've put together specifically for that day, but we want to just give all of our volunteers a day off as well. You know, you might not know this, but South Point Church has the best volunteer team in the history of the world. I mean, it's like the best, the best. And even like right now, so your kids are with the best people right across the hallway. Kids Point's awesome. Okay, anyway, anyway, anyway. And then the Sunday after that, which will be January 2nd, stepping into the new year, we are going to start our fast. If you've been around South Point for a while, you know that we always start the year with a fast. And so we're taking the first seven days, and we're going to fast from January 2nd to the next Sunday. And if you don't know anything about fasting, if you're like, I didn't know Christians do that. I didn't know. It's totally cool. I'm going to explain it all January 2nd, so just come with an open heart, open mind, and an empty stomach. You know what I'm saying? And we'll, we'll go from there. And uh, I just really believe that God is going to do amazing things this upcoming year. I, I really believe. He's already doing amazing things right now, and I just, I can hardly wait. You know what I mean? It's just like God's up to something. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so this is the last, with all of that being said, this is the last message in this Unhindered series. It's been a long one. This is week six, and so we have been covering some stuff. We've really been looking at the Greek word metamorpho, right? And it means, it's where we get our word metamorphosis from. And so we've been tearing apart, the, in a good way, tearing apart Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where it talks about how God wants to transform us. He wants to completely change our lives, and the way he does that is by changing our thinking. It all starts here. And so really, you might not realize it, you might not have realized it, but this is what I did. I'm sneaky like that. Sneaky. I, this series is to set us up for the first of the year, because Every single time, first of the year, we get together and we're like, I got some New Year's resolutions. I'm going to lose 400 pounds this year, and it's going to be amazing, and I'm going to be nice to people again. Okay, I'm not sure you can lose weight and be nice to people at the same time. I don't know. But um, we have these behavioral modifications that we want to partake of, but we've been learning that really you got to start with your mind, right? you got to start with your thinking. <clears throat> Fill in the blank. 
Change thinking creates, this is just really what we've been unpacking and looking at. Change thinking creates better behaviors. Better behaviors creates a transformed life. And a transformed life impacts the culture around it. And so normally we start at the wrong end of the statement, right? We want to make a difference in the world. I want to be famous. I want to be an influencer. And we start over here. But the Bible tells us, no, no, no. God wants you to be an influencer and famous too. He wants you to influence people, but you got to start all the way back here with our thinking. And we're changing our thinking and transforming that. And we've been using this verse, Romans 12, to do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be metamorpho, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we got the caterpillars out there. They started, how many were here? Just raise your hand. When the caterpillars first got out there and they were that long, just raise, raise your hand. So just a handful of you. And so they've, they've grown and they've matured to butterflies now, and they're out there. And we've just been looking at that whole process. Now, the very first week of this series, I made this statement. I made this statement that your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Does anybody remember that? If you don't, let me say it again. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Now, that comes with good news, and that comes with bad news. The good news is, if you are doing that if you're thinking good thoughts, encouraging thoughts, uplifting thoughts, holy thoughts, pure thoughts. Guess what? Your life is headed in that direction. However, bad news is if, you're, if you are constantly thinking anxious thoughts, doubtful thoughts, angry thoughts, ugly thoughts, mean thoughts. If you're constantly gossiping, if you're constantly keeping these thoughts going, you are headed down the long spiral of doom, despair, and agony on me. Does anybody remember? That's like, that's so old. That's like, that's like old, old. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Doom. And sometimes people think that. It's like, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. My life is horrible. Your life is headed in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so we get in these all panicky mindsets and fearful mindsets. Um, in fact, here's something I've noticed. Um, let me sit down for this one because I'm getting ready to say the word COVID and all of you are going to go, oh my God. So I'm just going to sit down for a second. Um, do you realize this whole COVID thing has been going on for years? Years. And I think everybody in here and watching online, there's been different phases, right? It's had its ups and downs. It's had its total global freak out moments to some people don't, you know, whatever. It's, it's all over the place. Um, but here's what I've noticed overall, that no matter what phase we're in of this COVID thing, people are prone to find something to hook fear and anxiety onto. It's like, even when things are going great, we find, we find, we lean into a newscast or something that's going to, we can hook our anxiety on. And anxiety and fear and panic is like, ridiculous nowadays. And the, the only reason we have even that feeling of panic and fear is this thing in our brain the size of an almond, and it's, called, it's in all your brains, every, every one of us, we got one, the amygdala, all right? Our amygdala is in our brain, and here's what it does. The definition is in your notes. It'll be on the screen. The amygdala is how we process extreme emotions like fear and pleasure. So it, when, you get, when you get scared, so something happens, your amygdala lights up like Clark Griswold's house on Christmas Eve. I mean, it's just, it starts pumping adrenaline inside of you, and it gives you that fight-or-flight response. You've heard of that, right? It just, the amygdala is just, it lights up, 
and you're just all full of, of adrenaline to face it, either to fight it or to panic. So my amygdala, just as an example, fires up real good when I see a snake. Yeah. Now, you guys know, if you've been around for a little bit, I have, I'm, I don't like snakes at all. I like, I am genuinely, I'm, I'm scared of snakes. And one thing's for sure, anytime there's a snake in front of me or wherever, I will jump scream like a little girl, and run the other direction, guaranteed, every single time. I just, it's like, and then people, like, how many of you like snakes? Like, just, like, you, you, like, it's a few people, just, like, three, four, five, six, six people in this whole congregation like snakes. Y'all are weird, and here's what you people say to me. I'll tell you, oh, I saw a snake, I'll say, I saw a snake, and I, and ran the other way, and you, some of you snake people will go, but Craig... Craig, that's just a rat snake. That's just a corn snake. Oh, that's a king snake. Listen, sweetheart, I don't stick around long enough to get on a first name basis with them. If the last name is snake, it needs to be a dead snake. It's just, and my amygdala has served me well because every time I see a snake, I scream, I get full of adrenaline, and I run the other direction. And it has served me well because I am 51 years old, and to this day, I have never been bit by a snake. My amygdala is working, right? You're welcome. All you snake people, weirdos, weirdos, weirdos. Now, here, here's the problem. My amygdala is working well, but here's the problem with all of our amygdalas. They are not objective. They're not objective. The amygdala's job is it sees something or whatever happens, you know, you get scared, whatever, and immediately it just floods your system with adrenaline, Okay? It's not objective. So when you get a text message that's angry or you see a social media post that's attacking you or one of your friends or your spouse or whatever, the same adrenaline rush, the amygdala doesn't know the difference. It sends the same amount of adrenaline to you. So then you're holding your phone. Let's say somebody you know, ripped you in a text message. You're holding your phone and your amygdala is like the hype man trapped all up in your body and you got nothing to do with that adrenaline. When I see a snake, I can use my adrenaline to skedaddle, right? But when it's a text message or whatever, and your amygdala still floods you with adrenaline, and you have all that going on, and in those moments, we make stupid mistakes because we're flooded with this thing. Now, thankfully, God knows what he's doing. He didn't make a mistake, and so in your brain, you have another thing that works in tandem with the amygdala, and it's your prefrontal cortex, Okay, we're going to get a little neurology today. Everybody good? Everybody learn, learn a little something? Learn, how about y'all? You guys are usually the ones that are with me. You good? good? Going to learn a little something? The free prontal cortex, this is what it does. It's responsible for reasoning, problem solving, comprehension, impulse control, and perseverance. Okay? So in other words, the prefrontal cortex is like the chill pill. You know, so think of your amygdala, okay, we're going to tie this into scripture in just a second, but think of your amygdala like the over-caffeinated crackhead up in your head. Just always just like, hey, 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 hey. It's time to freak, it's time to freak, freak out, freak out, run, run, right, just, that's doing that. And then think of your prefrontal cortex as your calm, wise grandfather that just graduated from Cambridge Law. You know what I mean? He's just, he's that dude in the, in the sweater vest smoking the pipe that's just like, 
you're fine, my son, right? Just that guy, okay? So you have these two things working together. So this is how it works. So let me just give you an example. Let's say last night, or tonight, pick your night, you're laying in bed, you're sound asleep, it's the middle of the night, and you hear a crash downstairs, and it wakes you up. Immediately, your amygdala is firing, right? Adrenaline courses through your body, and you start thinking, Oh my God, somebody broke in my house. It's a serial killer. Dexter's going to get all of us. He's going to kill the kids. He's going to kill the wife. And your mind's like, save the kids, save the wife, grab them and hide, run. And then it's like, no, there's no time. That'll slow him down. Climb out the window. Be safe. Run. Abandon your family. And that's your amygdala. And you're laying there thinking that. Guys, don't admit that. But you know, you know. You're like, I don't have to outrun everybody. Just my wife. That's all I got to do. And then your prefrontal cortex kicks in just like that and says, hey, bud, um, your house has an alarm on it, and you set the alarm last night. So nobody broke in your house because there's no alarm going off, and you know this has happened before. What's happening is your cat pushed something off the table and broke something, and that's what you're hearing. And while I have your attention, that's why you should have never gotten the cat to begin with, because cats are demonic, right? It just calms you down. That's just calms you down, okay? So that's how these two things work together. But here's the problem, and here's what I'm seeing. We don't listen to the prefrontal cortex very much because when you're going through problems and when you have issues, when you're in a valley or you have problems in your life, here's what you do. We lean into the crackhead in our mind. We are more tending to freak out than we are to think about things in a calm fashion. In other words, we are more prone to freak out about stuff than trust the Lord. And so today, I want to give us real quick a, a prescription for sedating the amygdala, okay? A prescription to just kind of, because we don't want it to go away, because you need feelings, because when you see a snake, you need to run. Don't play with the snake. Run, run. So we don't want to do away with it, and obviously God doesn't want us to either, but we need to sedate that a little bit and pay attention to this other part of our mind. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay, so one of the guys that we can really learn a lot from is the Apostle Paul. And just like we said last week, last week we pulled stuff out of Philippians, and we're going to do that again today. And the reason we're doing that is because he, he wrote this when he was in the Roman prison. And so he was in a tough spot, right? He was in a very difficult place. And so he's writing this stuff really saying, hey... You can be in difficult places but have the right mindset. You, you can lean into your prefrontal cortex, not your amygdala, all right? So look at this, um, Philippians 4, and I'm going to keep coming back to this verse in sections, but I'm going to read the whole thing right now, all right? You with me? You ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. I, I'll say it again because you probably don't believe me the first time. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, if I were you and I was reading that on my little note sheet, I would circle that right there. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every single situation that you find yourself in, no matter how low the valley is, no matter how dark it is, no matter how desperate you feel, every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which makes no sense whatsoever, 
will guard your hearts and your, and your what? And your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, the Apostle Paul in the theological literary world is known as the king of run-on sentences. So when you read the Greek, the Apostle Paul, I mean, literally, he was horrible at run-on sentences. They're everywhere, everywhere. So when the Apostle Paul writes a pithy little statement like that, like, the Lord is near, pay attention. Pay attention. And I could almost hear him sitting in that prison, sitting in that jail, writing this stuff out, and he's just like, man, there ain't nothing around me but pain and darkness, but the Lord is near. This doesn't make sense at all. It didn't go according to my plan. The circumstances are crazy, but the Lord is near. Here's the first piece to the prescription to calm your amygdala, and it's this. Be aware of his presence. Be aware of his presence. Can I tell you something? When you get together with family or friends this holiday season, you know what you won't have to look for? Because it'll just find you all up in the face. You ain't going to have to look for drama. It'll find you. Did you know you don't have to look for problems? They'll find you. You don't have to look for issues, bad days, bad things. Why? They just find you. Anybody ever been found by problems, issues, drama, annoying people? Yeah? It's, they just find you. But here's one thing you have to actually look for, and that's the presence of the Lord. Pay attention, because no matter where you are, the presence of God is there. But if you don't pay attention to the presence of God, you will never talk to God about the situation you're in. Let me say that again. If you don't pay attention to the presence of God, then you will never pray to him when you are in the emotional state of panic. When your amygdala is over-caffeinated crackhead telling you to run, fight, scream, do all of that, how about you stop and pay attention to the presence of God because he is always around. But when you pay attention to him, then you can speak to him and talk to him. You can fill in the blank. The presence of problems creates an atmosphere of panic. His presence creates an atmosphere of peace. And sometimes people will say this. I'll hear people say, you know, they got like little problems or little issues. And I'll say, did you pray about it? Oh, it's not a big deal, Pastor. It's not a big deal. Listen, if it's a big enough deal for it to be on your mind, it's a big enough deal for you to pray about it. How about this? It's not a big deal. If it's a big enough deal for you to worry about it or have an anxious thought about it, if it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. Lean into him and pay attention to what he has for you. And I'm telling you, prayer is amazing. Pay attention to his presence. No matter where you, I'm going to blow your mind. Did you know waiting in line at Walmart, God's still there. God's still there. Amanda doesn't agree with me, but God is still there. Did you know, this is the one that I struggle with, and I, I don't go to this intersection from now until March. Um, I call it purgatory. You guys know where that is, right? It's the Chick-fil-A corner there off of Goodman Road, Chick-fil-A, Walmart. I don't, don't. But believe it or not, God's presence is still there. He's anywhere because see, some of you think that God's nowhere around your family because every time you're together, all you do is fight and yell and cuss. Can I tell you something? He's still there. Pay attention to his presence. Look for his presence, and he will blow your mind. He'll blow your mind. Are you ready for the second thing? Here's, the first one is what? Pay attention to his presence. Right? Look for his presence. Here's the second part of this prescription to calm our amygdala down. Take time to pray. After you see his 
presence. Take time to pray. Now, every, almost every single time I talk about prayer, somebody asks me, what's the right way to pray? Well, like, what's the right way? Is it the, like, okay, I've heard this old guy pray one time, and it was the King James. It was all the these and thous and hollas and whatever, all these other words that we don't use. Is that what I have to do? Or, or do I have to take a knee? Is it one knee? Is it two knees? Is it this? What's my posture? All of these questions about, or, or, or the prayer is not legal unless you end it with the right phrase. Come on, you know what that right phrase is? No matter what you're praying, in Jesus' name. Let the Detroit Lions win today, in Jesus' name. He won't do that, it'll never happen. But in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Oh, is that it? Okay, here's the deal. My kids, um, they don't question how to come to me. They don't say, what's the right way to approach dad? None of them say, but they all approach me, and they all do it in their own different way because they're all different personalities. Sierra, my oldest, she comes to me with a request, and it's always with the cryptic questions. She always leads with, like, this week, she came to me, and she said, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm like, same thing I do every Tuesday. I'm going to work. She said, oh, is your computer there? Yeah. Oh. Are you going to use your computer tomorrow at work? Probably. Yes, yeah, that's, that's what I do. Are you coming home tomorrow after work? I usually do. Yeah, what, what do you need? Right? And she says, oh, I was just wondering if I could borrow your computer. You could have led with that. But that's her person. And then there's Phoebe. Phoebe's my middle child, and no matter what her request is, it comes with extra drama. She's the one who puts theater in Broadway. I mean, she is everything is just extra drama. Dr Anybody have one of these children? Extra, just extra, just extra. How many married somebody like that? Okay, just extra. Everything's extra. And then my son Noah, he his questions are statements. They're just pithy statements. I mean, he's like, hey, I'm going over to my friend's house. I'm like, uh, is that a question or a statement? Well, it's a question. No, sir, that was not a question. That was a statement. It was a question. I'm standing here asking. It's not how you phrase the question, right? It's just, but that's him. Now, here's the deal. All three of my kids all have completely different personalities, and I just told you stuff that has happened literally this week, and how can I know that? Because it's their personalities. When you come to God in prayer, it's your personality, Understand something. He created your personality, and if you come to him not according to your personality, he knows you're being fake. Don't pray like me. Don't pray like somebody else. You don't have my personality. Aren't you glad? You, I don't have yours. And God is a big enough God to recognize, oh, that's so-and-so, and that's her personality. I've said this before, and people just think I'm joking. I I tell jokes to the Holy Spirit. It's just what I do. Like, there's been one time where I said, stop me if you've heard this. And he's like, of course I've heard it, right? It's just, that's, that's my personality. Do I think I've offended God? No. And I'll be honest, I've heard some people yell at God, and I was like, bro, I would never say that to God. But they just a little angry elf, you know what I'm saying? And so, but it's their personality. Does that make sense? There's no right or wrong way to come to God. You be you, he made you. 
So whether you got to yell it, scream it, journal it, write it in the sky, I have no idea. But however you pray, just keep praying. It's good. It's good. It's good. I hope that helps somebody. Prayer is so stinking powerful. So stinking powerful. Now, I, uh, we did a podcast here at South Point, And so a couple weeks ago I did a podcast. And I misquoted Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who I'm getting ready to quote properly now. And on the podcast I even said, hey, I'm operating from memory here, so don't, don't quote me. So I'm letting you know right now that w- w- if you listen to the recording, it's wrong. This is right. Okay? This is from her book, um, who, sh- who Switched on Your Brain? And she says this about prayer. She's actually a fascinating lady. She combines neurology and theology. So if you ever want to read somebody like that, she's got several, several books on the market. Anyway, she said this. It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Can I just let that sink in for just a second? Because your life will go in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What if your strongest thoughts was actually prayer to God? So much so that it rewires your brain so that you just start thinking differently, and then your different thinking will have different behaviors, and your different behaviors will have a better life, and your better life will transform the community we're in. Twelve minutes a day. That's shorter than a sitcom. Twelve minutes a day. All together, sit down, 12 minutes a day. And if, here, here, why am I saying that? If you'll spend 12 minutes a day in prayer, it will make your amygdala shh. 12 minutes of prayer will calm the crackhead up in your head. You're freaking out over the stuff that you're going through right now. Instead of freaking out listening to the amygdala, what if you sit down and pray for 12 minutes a day for eight weeks and watch the change that happens? But a lot of times what we do is we really lean into the crackhead. We love our crackhead. By the way, if you're a crackhead here, we really do love you. But if you know, we lean into our crackhead, into that panic mode. Some of you operate so well in the panic mode, you wouldn't want, know what to do if you didn't have drama in your life. In fact, when there's not drama, when the crackhead is calmed down, you create drama because it's what you're used to. But there's a different way. There's a better way. Prayer is powerful. Okay, so look at this verse. This one little thing about prayer, and then we'll move on. 1 Peter 5, 6 says this. Humble yourselves under the mighty God's hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. Cast your worries. Cast your anxiety. How many in here have something that you are anxious about or worried about? Just raise your hand. Be honest. I mean, if you're not raising your hand, I'm really wondering if you're alive. Right? Um, how many of you that raised your hand, it's actually playing the game with me, would like to have that anxiety or worry taken care of and gone? Okay. Here's an exercise, if you really mean that, and I say that, you raise your hand for it and all that, um, and probably a half a percent of you will do this. But here's a fabulous exercise that really does work. Go home today. Get some note cards or post-it notes, whatever's laying around, and write every single one of your worries or issues on a single piece of, like, one worry per post-it note. Does that make sense? Don't put six worries on one post-it note, just one worry per post-it note. And then take those and have a drawer in your desk or the dash in your car or somewhere specific that you're like, that's it, that's my worry box, right, whatever that is. And you, you take those, and here's what you do. You write it down, and you read it, and you say it out loud. God, I trust you with my wayward son. Put it in the box. I trust you with my... Prognosis. 
I trust you with my broken marriage. I trust you with finances. What, whatever your worries are, put them in there. And then you're trusting God with those. You have cast your cares on him. That's one of the things we do with the crosses down here. Why do they write stuff and nail it to the cross? Because we're casting our cares on him. But here's what you got to do. Later in the week, if you start worrying about that again, go back to the box. Take out that worry and say, God, I'm too busy worrying about this. I'll just keep this one and take care of it myself. Because that's what you're doing. If you've cast your cares on the Lord, then the worry and anxiety goes to the Lord, not to you. But sometimes we just choose. Why? Because our amygdala is so loud. That crackhead is up there all the time going, you should freak out. you got to freak out. you got to freak out. Have you heard from him lately? No, you haven't. Oh, they're... Freak out. Trust him. Trust him. Cast your cares on him. So the first one of this prescription is what? His presence. Pay attention to his presence. Seek his presence. Look for his presence. The second prescription piece is what? Prayer. All of you got that one. That was good. Here, here's the third one. Practice praise. Practice praise. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. It says this in that same verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice always, no matter what's going on. So the Apostle Paul wrote this in the Roman prison, but in Acts chapter 16, there was another prison that him and his buddy Silas were in. And you can go there and, and read that, Acts chapter 16. And the Bible tells us that they were stripped they were beaten with rods. They were bloody. They were put and locked in this jail cell, and they're in prison. And in the middle of that prison of being stripped and beaten, they, they started singing praises to God. Now, you might be sitting there going, oh, I just can't relate. You probably have never been stripped and beaten bloody in a prison cell. Probably not. But I'd be willing to bet that a lot of us here, you've been, at a time or two, have been stripped of your confidence, stripped of your faith, You've been beaten with anxiety, doubt, self-loathing, insecurity. So I think we can relate. So even though his prison was bars and blocks, and ours might just be a mental war zone, can I tell you something? Still praising. How could they praise him? They could praise him because of this. They praised the who, not the what. They praised the who, not the what. You don't get, you don't, when you get a bad diagnosis, you don't praise God for the bad diagnosis. You praise God because he's still God sitting on the throne. When your family falls apart, you don't praise God because your family fell apart. You praise God because God is still the one who puts marriages together, relationships together, and families together. He is still on the throne. He still loves you. No matter what you're going through, no matter how dark it is or how deep the valley is, you praise him not for where you are and what you're going through, but in the middle of it all, God never changes. You praise him in the middle of that for who he is. And that right there, that right there was a great place to end a message, wasn't it? Man, praise him. Got Jason on the keys. Just praise him. And this is the time, this is the time where we've done this a few times where I'm like, Let's just do that right now. Let's call the whole band up here. Let's sing a song to close out the day. Seal the word. And when I was writing this message, sitting at my desk, no kidding, I picked up my phone. I was going to text Katie and say, hey, let's do a song at the end. Let's, you know, let's seal the deal. And before I could send the text, actually before I started typing, I picked up my phone. The Holy Spirit said something. And I wrote it down. 
I feel like this is what the Holy Spirit said. He said, it's easy to praise in the palace, but it's the praise in the prison that rings the loudest. It's easy to praise in the palace. Can I tell you something? It's easy to praise right here. And, and I'm glad we do, right? Corporate worship is awesome. I'm, it's fabulous. I'm obviously not against that. It's great. And it's encouraging, and we leave here feeling better. But can I tell you something? The praise that rings the loudest is when you are sitting in a pile of ashes, of burned dreams, hopeless situation. You can't see the light for tomorrow. And all you can barely do is squeak out just a little, I love you, Jesus. You're still faithful. You're still my hope. You're still my love. I don't understand all that's going on around me, but even though I'm in the middle of one of my darkest moments, I'm praising you not for what's going on around me, but this moment I'm praising you just because of who you are. And I'm telling you something, the praise in the prison, it's powerful. And so look at it this way. If you're in that place, it's dark, you have the opportunity to rewire your brain and realize that in that moment right there, you have the potential to give the loudest praise that the planet has ever heard. No matter how quiet it is, no matter how scared you are, that's the praise, that's the praise. Now, this is the end of this whole message series, and I want to end with just this one thing, because I feel like some people, um, you're, you're, you've, you've really worked on your thinking and you've been doing all this stuff and you're at the end now and you're like, I'm a butterfly, I'm beautiful. I was a caterpillar, just a little slug looking thing and six weeks later, I'm a butterfly. And when you leave here, let me say this, the devil will consume a caterpillar or a butterfly, it makes no difference to him. He says, be on guard. That verse in Philippians that we've been reading, it says, be on guard. Be on guard. Be on guard of your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just end. I want to, I want to end with this. I really am getting ready to pray. Um, I'm not a fighter, okay? I've told you that before. I'm a runner. I run. I run. But whether you're a fighter or not, you know that they say, put your dukes up, right? Or whatever, for, or put your guard up. Keep your guard up, right? If you're fighting, keep your guard up. And you got to keep your guard up because the enemy is coming after you this week, this month, this year. It's an ongoing war. It's an ongoing battle. So get this visual in your mind. Keep your guard up. What's your guard? It's praise and prayer. Praise and prayer. Prayer and praise. Keep your guard up. Keep your guard up. No matter what you're going through, no matter what the enemy's throwing at you, come on, keep your guard up. You can be a pretty little butterfly and still keep your guard up, okay? I don't know what that looks like because you got wings, but whatever. Keep your guard up. Don't forget that, okay? Keep your guard up. Because he doesn't like you, but God loves you. Just keep your guard up. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I love you, Lord. You're awesome. You're amazing. I couldn't, could not imagine life without you. And so, Father, as we all keep our guard up, as we step into this, Lord, I just ask right now that every person in this house or watching online, that they're, they're, at, a, they're at that dark place. They're struggling. I know the holidays are difficult for a lot of people. Lord, those people that feel like they're sitting in the ashes of their dreams, 
Lord, we lift them up as a body of Christ. We, we lift them up. We encourage them today. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you, I ask that you let them feel your love. And as they eke out that little bit of praise, fill their lungs with rejuvenating winds of the Holy Spirit and let them realize that they might be in a dark place right now, but they are getting ready to move forward in an unhindered fashion into the good things that you have for them. And I know that when they're in that moment, it's hard to see, it's hard to see, but we just say together that we're gonna rejoice. In all circumstances, we choose to rejoice. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. You are spectacular, spectacular. Stand with me, if you will. And if you need prayer for anything, there's people down front on both sides that would love to pray with you and connect with you. And then also, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you want to take communion today, there's communion elements down front on both sides that you're more than welcome to partake of. All right? Let's pray the benediction and we'll jet out of here. You ready? Heavenly Father, right now, we just ask that the words in our mouth, the meditations in our heart, Lord, that they'll be acceptable in your sight. You're our Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great week. Love you.